Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jinxie. Hey, BL. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Mm, I'm really good, actually. I'm so glad. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware until you asked me and then I suddenly had self-awareness. I'm really good. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> are you not? No, I'm pre- actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty good. <laughs> we don't have any uh, content warnings on this, uh, on this episode. No, no, no. Just a uh, normal two women in a room. <laughs> The two gals back together. (laughs) We've had quite a few, quite a few, and a hectic couple of weekends. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've just come on the other side of something and I'm bracing for the like six weeks until the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty horrifying. I, wow. Starting bougie. uh, Why not right from the top? But I ordered some outdoor furniture. And you sure did. I managed to get in on a shipment thanks to my sister and it's arriving in six weeks. And I looked it up and I was like, oh God, that's like, that's basically the end of the year. That's next year. Yeah. yeah that's 2024. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping it gets, gets through to me earlier. Yeah, me too. I want to sit on it. <laughs> yeah. I want to sit on it. I'm very excited about it. I feel like I need to go back in time a little bit to like, Halloween weekend. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Okay. That feels like another year. It was the week before last, but we, <laughs> when you got back from, um, no, was it when you got back? We had like an episode where we just like were real loosey goosey mm. and we didn't quite realize that we then wouldn't have one of these kind of like regular style episodes for like three more weeks. <laughs> So yeah. there's a lot of ground to cover. There is a lot of ground to cover. Um, and mostly Halloween weekend was just that I um, special ordered a 
nun outfit. Not a hot nun, but I told myself I was going to be a hot nun. An old nun's hot. Because <laughs> it made me feel better about myself. <laughs> Turns out wearing a habit, very hard to wear with your hair exposed. And if your hair's not exposed, you look really bad. Aren't you not meant to have your hair exposed? Isn't that the whole point of the habit? Yeah, but but if my hair isn't exposed, I don't look cute. And the purpose of Halloween is to look cute. Could you attach that intense ponytail extension <laughs> thing that you have to the habit on top? Could could that have happened? My 24-inch fake ponytail, yeah, I thought about it. I thought about cutting a hole in the habit. But I also was like, oh, am I a nun or am I Sister Corita Kent? I could take a little camera. Am I just a regular nun or am I Sister Janet Mead, RIP, Australia's Mm -hmm. Grammy Award winning nominated singing nun? Turns out I had headache and a tummy ache. And so I put my costume on, filled up my little flask with tequila. It, It came with a little Bible that you can stash a flask away in. Very fun. And then I looked myself in the mirror, took like three selfies and was like, I'm not going out tonight. I got a tummy ache. And so I stayed home and watched a movie and did a puzzle. <laughs> did you take the habit off? Habit was the first thing that came off. Damn it. Yeah. I was hoping that you were at home. I've got it though. It's in the cupboard behind you. We could put it on. Excellent. I need to see it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get back in the habit soon. I'm like whoopee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did do, oh, I did do something for Halloween. I was about to say, I did do nothing for Halloween, but uh, I actually did do. Um, I went to <laughs> went to the Wall Street house, the Robin Boyd, beautiful mid-century That's home right. in South Yarra for a, I'm just laughing at myself because it's like, yeah. it's just, I'm an absolute cliche. It's like an event that you would have created for yourself <laughs> and you were the only guest, but it, you weren't surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly, I was not. I went to like an, an architectural film society, Dado, they're called. They were putting on like a Halloween kind of inspired night there and they had like drinks. It was really cute. Such a beautiful house as we've discussed at length on a previous episode. So I won't go into the details of the plush, uh, you know, purple couches, etc. but they were showing two kind of experimental films from England by John Smith that were architectural in focus, but a little spooky. Uh-huh. They were great. Spooky architectural films. Yeah, they were really funny and great. I had like a, such a good time. I would I would say I'd Google, but I can't imagine how many John Smiths are going to come up when I try. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's one. There were two films. One was about like the destruction of a small town for a freeway. And the other one was about this man who everywhere he turned in this village, there was this black tower hovering above him. It was really great. Very spooky. Yeah, it was cool. Wow, the guy from Pocahontas is a spooky filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) But you were also, the last time we caught up, you were still in Sydney or going Mm. to Sydney or just coming back from Sydney. One of those three things. I was in Sydney. So I was there to see friends, family and go to South by Southwest Sydney. Yeah. We haven't even really talked about that. No, that was the last time we, we sat down and you were like, yeah, I saw one movie last night. Still more to come. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. TBC. Okay. My two, the two things I want to talk to you about with uh, that I saw at South by Southwest Sydney was part of the conferences mm-hmm. section, but I did go and see 
our Naomi, Naomi Watts, uh-huh. do a talk with Mia Friedman uh-huh. and Alison Bray Dado. Okay. I'm so not familiar with that Dado. She is, well, she's, she's married into the Dados. Sure. The oh, I assume. She Dados was, are famously men. She was like a big dolly model. Gotcha. And she married Cameron Dado. They're uh-huh. still together. And it was about menopause and perimenopause. But I went along because I was like, yeah. I need to see Naomi. Talking right? about menopause. I need to see it. Yeah. Do you know that she has her own? Well, I knew this, but she has her own uh, menopause like product line. No. She does. It's called Stripes because women have earned them. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. I hate that. But she was very proud. Stri- wait, stripes. Yeah, stripes. That's worse than like Miranda Kerr, also Dolly model. Her brand being called like Cora Organic, which is like a I'm imagining a word that means nothing. Like usually they're a bit a, a bit like woo woo. Stripes. Stripes. I can never get over how fetus looking Miranda Kerr looks like. I've got a story for off mic about Miranda Kerr. Can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Well, uh, so she, anyway, so she has this product line and she's very into it. Right. Sure. And she looked great. Can I just say she looked fucking good. She was very well dressed. This is giving goop, but Australian. I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, also shout out to Nonna's uh, grocer candles for being featured in the Goop Christmas gift list. Oh yeah, I saw. So iconic. Very cool. I burned three of those on the weekend. Okay, so she has this product line, and it involves. There's like one thing that's like a lube, and another one that is some kind of hydrating product, like a vaginal product. Yeah, and I think you're gonna like the name of it, or not like the name of it. But Naomi was pretty proud of it. No, well, stripes is already. I'm turned off. Vag of honor. No. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi. I know. See that if you're gonna name your brand Stripes, <laughs> you can't then have funny product names. She she can and she does. That poor social media person who's having to write captions that work in vag of honor. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And she was talking, she kept talking about, so she's in like a new what relationship. Is, what does this product do? Sorry. Well, I think it's just like some kind of hydrating thing. Hydrates your vag. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but then she has a separate lube, so I'm not yeah. I'm fuzzy on the details. Like but. hyaluronic acid, but for your vagina skin. Because Naomi Watts went through perimenopause. She started okay. her perimenopause at like 36. Oh God, it's coming. It's coming. But she kept talking about like this new relationship she was in. And I was blissfully unaware of her dating life. Mm. I thought she was still with Liev Schreiber. Yeah, but not. No. And so she was talking about how, you know, she was going through perimenopause when she started like dating this person and how he was amazing. Like he was just like, I'm what an honor to be with you in this time of life or whatever. Right. (laughs) And I, so I think they, you know, they're having like lots of sex, et cetera. And he's so great. And I was recounting that to a friend. I'm picturing uh, a guy in fisherman pants, by the way. Well, I said it to uh, to my friend Fleur, and she was like, "Dude, she just married Billy Crudup." No, yeah, I had no idea. 
Wow, she's so lucky. <laughs> and so Billy, so Billy left Mary Louise Parker. Was it Mary Louise Parker? Yeah. Then? So he. But was that a long time ago? Was that like twenty years ago? Yeah, but he left her when she was like Pre- five months pregnant, very pregnant with their child. Yeah. And then was with Claire, for Claire Danes. Yes. And then they've broken up and now he's married to a menopausal Naomi Watts. It's like he really doesn't <laughs> want children, right? Like it seems. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. It, he is his character from 20th Century Women. I invoke him all the time, but like he's just this like traveler through life, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway, it made me want to watch Jesus's Son again. I haven't seen that film since it came out. I don't know that movie. Oh, it was a really great book. I can't remember the writer's name. It's about a heroin addict. I love Billy Crudup. I take it back, Naomi. If whatever these products are doing has got our Billy Crudup, mm-hmm. uh, Stripes sponsor the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also saw Nicole Kidman uh-huh. in conversation. Yeah. She couldn't talk about, she was with her producing partner and they pair is his name, but they couldn't talk about anything specific because of the strike. Yeah. So it was just sort of like producing. And Nicole was on point. Like she knew that she had to deliver because there was no actual content of this talk. Sure. So she was on fire. She was so good. She's a pro. She was such a pro. I'm extremely pro Nicole now. Yeah. And you weren't before? I wavered. Yeah, fair. Some of her choices have raised eyebrows and question marks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She was giving the audience what they wanted. She was talking about, like, you've got to do what you got to do on set to get it done. Now that she's a producer, she really understands it. (laughs) And so she started talking about how she was, like, pissing in the bush on set. Oh. What context? What movie? What set? Well, there was no time for her to get like offset okay. to go to where there were bathrooms. So she was like, don't worry about it. I'll piss right here. Our Nicole. Our Nicole. She's so down to earth. But like, honestly, that's what you want. I really do. She's like, you hear me doing my a terrible American accent in every movie I'm in these days. Oh, the Russian one in oh. Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh my God. I could never do it. I couldn't do Nine Perfect Strangers. It was too COVID-y. Mm, yeah, it was pretty good. Just knowing that that's when they shot it in Byron. I was like, I can't do this to myself. I just love how badly Byron did not sub in for LA at yeah. all. It really <laughs> just looked like Byron. Um, now that the Troy Savant story is out, I feel like I can give a little behind the scenes of the writing of that, Ooh. including that there was a conversation about potentially talking to Nicole because she worked with him in Boy Erased, Joel oh. Edgerton's movie, but SAG. Mm. Yeah. Oh, bummer. And when I say there was a conversation, it wasn't between me and her. It was a conversation <laughs> about whether or not she would be a source in the story. And I was like, look, the link is tenuous. I don't think they had a scene together, <laughs> but I'll take what I can get. Oh, no, no, Apparently she's a big supporter. Of course she is. Of course she is. She seemed, she was very enthusiastic. Her ankles were so (laughs) slender, you could not see them front on. It was like a magic eye. You could only see that she had a bone covered in skin, like on Uh the side. I spent quite a lot of the talk kind of like moving my head, like... (laughs) You know, <laughs> seeing if I could see them. The slender ankles. I've, just, I've never seen, I've never seen ankles more slender. What was she wearing? She was wearing like very skinny white 
jeans. Oh, I'm imagining she's a pale lady. Maybe they were kind of camouflaged. Mm. Her slender ankles. Yeah, I can't remember what top she was wearing. Maybe a shirt. And she was wearing like a blazer from memory. I, my eyes were... Her eyes are up there, but I was looking at her ankles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she was wearing um, quite high heels. Uh-huh. Naomi was wearing like some cute kind of Gucci looking um, like loafers, or slightly heeled loafers, mm-hmm. uh, really well fitting blue jeans, a white T-shirt and a blazer. She Classic. looked great. Gold Classic. jewelry. She looked great. Yeah. It takes all stripes. Hey, speaking of Hollywood in Sydney, uh-huh. I guess kind of very tenuous. Yeah. Did you see that there is an NCIS Sydney starting next week on Paramount Plus? No, but I'm really glad that I have the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think the second episode is like there's a snake bite, and in the third, <laughs> third episode, it's like there's, there's a, a ding- shark. there's a dingo bite. And you know, like, there's a koala fell off from a tree. The logline of the third episode is like some I don't, army person, personnel, what have you, uh-huh. are like a part, like body parts <sighs> float up because he's they have been eaten by a shark, but were they? Okay. Yeah, sure. I know you're an SVU head. Are you an NCIS? No, absolutely. Of not. other cities? No, no. I wonder who will play like the goth who does computers in the Australian version. Yeah, don't know. But Chris Stenders is is directing one of the episodes. He made like the Red Dog films, but he also did like the Go Betweens documentary. Okay. What's his name? Criv Stenders. Criv Stenders. What a name. What a name. Yeah. I thought you were mispronouncing EastEnders. <laughs> Not even a joke. <laughs> Criv Stenders. Criv Stenders. Yeah. Um, I did some other good things in Sydney, though. Yeah. If I haven't taken up too much of this Give me. podcast talking about it's a city we don't live in. <laughs> uh, I went to a couple of new places. Of course, I talked about uh, Amaro, the sake place that I loved mm-hmm. um, last episode, and also, also, but I went to a revamped pub like a pub that I really loved when I lived in Sydney Mm -hmm. it was like a shitty old like historic heritage rocks pub in not that sounded like I was saying heritage rocks but I (laughs) it's a heritage pub in the rocks the rocks yeah yeah. uh it's opposite the MCA so anytime you would go to like an opening or something you would like gotcha you know once the free drinks ran out you would go to the pub across the street that Uh had the cheapest drinks sure and I was a bit worried because it got taken over recently so I needed to check it out but it was great Mm. I didn't need to be so sus about it what's it called it's called Le Foot it used to be called Phillips the Phillips Foot oh I've seen this on Instagram I think I started following Le Foot for my next Sydney you know Mm. inspo I highly recommend there's like a fancy kind of like snazzy restaurant out the back that I didn't go to but that is where you used to go to cook your own steak, just to give you an idea of like the difference. And now it's like full kind of white tablecloth situation out the back now. Sorry, cook your own steak? Yeah. So you used to get like a steak or whatever. And then there were barbecues in this little rotunda-ish thing out the back, like a shed. And you could go and cook it to your heart's desire. Is this a Sydney thing? I've never, I've never seen this anywhere in my life. I've seen it also in a pub in like North Sydney. So maybe it is. I don't know. I'm, no, even in Queensland, which I feel like that's probably a Queensland vibe, like walk in the front door and then barbecue your own dinner. It does seem like a Queensland vibe. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, you can't do that anymore. You can't do you it anymore. <laughs> you have to go and pay quite a lot of money to have someone else cook it for you uh-huh. these days. Um, but you can also sit in the front and you can just, they just take walk-ins and there's like an upstairs section. It's owned by Swillhouse, so we have like Alberto's Lounge, etc. It's kind of like Alberto's Lounge, which is great. But okay. it's really good. They do like a great tiny teeny. My had, fave. Yep. I had a good like fish dish, good tara masalata. Mm. Yeah, it, was, it was really great. Okay, it was yummy. So nice to go to like a cute spot in the rocks. I love the rocks. I have real affection for the rocks. When I when my book came out or before my book came out, my publisher would sometimes fly me up to Sydney. And I think the first time they did it, they put me up at the Langham. Mm-hmm. And I was so spoiled, like staying at the Langham. I got like rolling drunk at this dinner with like, um, you know, they bring like the buyers, like from all the, or they bring all these different bookshops from Sydney around to like schmooze with all these new authors. And I went, I just remember getting home and I was like off my tits drunk and (laughs) you were trolley. I had been like on Tinder at the, like after the dinner drinks being like, who's around? (laughs) No one turns out no one, (laughs) but I was using, I've never used Siri in my life, but I was using Siri to be like, Siri, where is a kebab shop between here and the Langham? And Siri kept sending me to like a Holocaust museum. And I was like, no, Siri. And I have a screenshot of me arguing with Siri. And then the next photo is just (laughs) a photo of a halal snack bag in this beautiful hotel room that I was staying in. And, um, I learned later that, um, that was uh, a trip organized by the part of the publishing house that has budget. And I would never again be staying at the Langham. So I really made the most of it. I'm glad you did. And yeah. I'm glad you got that snack pack. Yeah. I loved being in the rocks. Sounds like you really needed that snack pack. I really needed something. <laughs> um, I also went to a new place, like a revamped, another revamped place uh-huh. called the Vermuteria. I saw this on your Instagram story. Yeah. It's like a vermouth bar in Kings Cross or like Lizzie Bay. Uh-huh. And it used to be a 24-hour cafe. Okay. Um, very different now. It's very cute looking. Um, I thought it was one of your old photos from when you were in Berlin. It looked like very it Euro. Yeah, it looks extremely Euro. Yeah. For sure. It's really cute. They have like a lot of vermouths and amaros. And you can sit inside or on the street. It was very, very cool. Uh, I went with my pal Samuel and we had some great little drinks but i made the mistake of ordering the wrong thing so Mm. this is a psa okay for anyone going to the mutria what did you mean to get i really like a gibson martini like a martini with a pickled onion inside it Uh right that's a i love it i don't have it that often when you order that do you ask for a gibson or do you say a gibson martini i ask for a gibson but i usually get it at the apollo inn okay and so that's from their martini menu gotcha but maybe you would have to say yeah, you probably have to say Gibson Martini. So I ordered a Gibson Martini, but it was a Gilda Gibson Martini. And the guy who served me was like... And that's anchovy? Yeah. He was like, it's not just an onion. It has like a full Gilda in it. And I was like, well, we're we going to order some Gildas anyway, you know, like with anchovy uh, and olives and a chili. Mm-hmm. And... It actually came with the full, like we ordered extra Gildas and then it came with a Gilda, so like a white anchovy kind of floating in the drink. Mm. Uh, I thought I could handle it, but I, I mean, I drank it. I mean, I drank it and I ate it, but it was not for me. Yeah, I love both of those things separately. 
Mm. Love an anchovy, love a gilda, love a martini. I don't know if I need them cross-pollinating like that. Yeah, it's like a fusion cuisine I do not need. A little anchovy swimming in my drink. Yeah. It's a little too Alison Roman. I don't know if even Alison Roman goes that far. I don't think she would. She'd probably just drink a jar of anchovies. Yeah. And like, wouldn't we all? But anyway, I just want to help someone out there. Gotcha. PSA. And they do food there? Yes, to sit outside, you actually have to order some food, but you can have some just little chips. Okay. Some right. crispies. I had a chic dinner in Melbourne this past weekend. Do tell. I went to French Saloon. Um, Where's that? It's where Emily had her 40th. Oh. So that upstairs, it's off Hardware Lane. I've only ever been to parties there. Yeah. I've never been to... I think I had forgotten it was a restaurant. So that was like between lockdowns and they weren't open as a restaurant for a really long time. Mm. So there's like Kirk's downstairs, there's hardware club across the road. Mm. Kirk's has like a little beer, like pub around on little Burke street, um, which I had a pre-drink at, which was very yummy. But yeah, my friend Georgia and I had made a booking at French saloon, like as soon as they reopened and then we had to reschedule it. And in long story short, it was on Friday night. Their opening days are really weird. Like they don't open as a restaurant on weekends. Mm. And so we went, we had a fucking amazing dinner. Like we got, we kind of balled out. We got martinis and uh, steak tartare and we got like these little cigars with like um, caviar on top and like creamy shit in the middle and chives at either, either and very the bear, <laughs> um, a savory like uh, cannoli thing. We shared a steak frites. We shared, we got a creme caramel, what's it called? Creme brulee to finish. Like it was a delicious, perfect, amazing dinner. But at the end, our waiter who was like, iconic we loved him at the end we were like kind of gossing with him and he kind of said like yeah we're not super busy all the time like it was it was every table was full when we came in but we sat down at eight o'clock and like tables left and then weren't refilled and we were like yeah that's weird it's like a popular restaurant on like a friday night but um turns out they just do events on weekends Mm. so like during the week they're it's kind of quiet so this is my pitch for everyone in melbourne Fucking go to French Saloon if you want like a nice dinner in the city. And like, I think Kirk's being constantly so packed, so busy outside makes you think that there's probably going to be no room or something, but like, you're probably likely to get a table upstairs and there's like a little outdoor area. I smoked many ciggies there at Emily's birthday mm-hmm. and just stared at Paul Kelly. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a great vibe. Menu's perfect. Staff's amazing. It was great. Okay. That's really good to know. Yeah. Okay. Add it to your list of like city dinner spots. Yeah. Cause I often forget about that little section for eating for some reason. Well, it's like, I feel like it's good if you have a booking, but yeah. like a Friday night on hardware lane is insane. I don't know how early people are getting there, but like the guy at Kirk's was literally like, There is no room here for you to have like a quick drink before you go upstairs for dinner. I love when you start talking to the people working there and you get the good intel. Yeah. One of the worst meals I've ever had in my life was at WD50 in New York. Uh And I took Zoe there for like her birthday. It was like a very special surprise because the owner, Wiley DeFresne, was constantly on Top Chef. Mm -hmm. And we were very deeply into that at that time. The show, not the dog. And is he the guy who wrote the book that Richie is reading in the bear all about like going above and beyond service? No, Wally Dufresne is the chef. Wally Dufresne. It's not Dufresne. It's It's Dufresne. I've never read his name. I've only ever heard it 
I should know. I watch it. I, like so I see Tom Colicchio say it all the time. Padma. But um, <laughs> it was. Yeah, no, so he's a chef. Yeah, he's, he's not a chef. The, yeah. He's really like, uh, you know, the foams. What do you, what's that style? Gastro. Yeah, like that yeah. situation. And. No time for it. No time for it. And it was just so foul, Bill. Really? Like, really, truly one of the worst meals I've ever had in my life. I think because you have to order a degustation and we ordered from the classic degustation, not the new one. So we were like, well, we should have the classics. Yeah. And maybe that was the problem. Was it veg friendly? It was not veg friendly. At that huh. time we were kind of like caution to the wind. We'll just okay. do whatever. Okay. There was one dish that a friend was like, avoid this thing. It tastes like motor oil. And it did. And the dessert, when it came out, like part of it had like this little lemon biscuit and we were trying to work out what it tasted like or what it reminded of reminded us of and it was um a toilet cake you know those like little cakes people have in the toilet to make it when it flushes it makes the foam uh it was just like that it was so looked or tasted tasted the scent everything like i can't really smell that smell anymore it was so bad but do you know what like it was so awful that it was pretty funny how much did you pay for this meal so much money like many many hundreds of dollars yeah. for this meal and of yeah. course you're drinking and like you're doing the whole thing yeah, you're in manhattan you're blah you know you're drinking to forget what you're eating um, so fucking lutely and like the decor was really like had like a lot of murano glass like it was extremely 90s so kind of fun but the people next to us were like totally into it and they were just like i'm getting i'm getting like <laughs> pee I'm getting pee. And we were like, yeah, we're getting pee also, getting but it's different. It's in the shit over totally. here. <laughs> it was, and it was just like everything was foam, you know? Fuck. But the waiters just like, they saw us laughing essentially. And then we, they would just like stop in and have a chat like throughout the meal and just be kind of like, yeah, we know. We know. No. I feel like maybe it was WD50 that like the daily, I think, um, some fucking New York Times or New Yorker publication had like their restaurant critic on this past year talking about like reassessing or like revising the way that they score restaurants. And I think there was like a big deal about them taking away WD50s. Or maybe it was a, it wasn't a Michelin star, but they like kind of took away all the like praise that they had paid, oh God, paid on I it. Got, I got to look that up. That's yeah. very funny. Yeah. What else, BL? We've got, we've covered Sydney. We've covered Halloween. I had like a little celebratory brunch on the weekend, celebrating my choice of arm story coming out. I had like a moment, um, it was supposed to come out a few weeks earlier and I was like, I'm going to really celebrate this because usually like. You know, I had a couple of big kind of career milestones during COVID and I felt very like kind of bummed out that I didn't get to like acknowledge them. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to make an effort this time. And then like the timing got pushed out and I was like, oh, it's so silly to like host something because I wrote a story. And then I was really glad that I did. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, I had a brunch. I like woke up at six. I started like blind baking quiche shells at like 7am and went and bought a shitload of pastries and laid out a bunch of fruit. And like for once, I don't know if this has ever happened to me hosting before, but like pretty much everything got eaten and there was like a little left. So, you know, people didn't go hungry, but like everything got eaten. I got like six bunches of flowers from my friends. Like every vessel in my house is filled with fresh flowers at the moment. So nice, BL. You deserve it. It's very nice. I felt very spoiled. Several people asked if it was my birthday and I was like, no, not even just a work achievement. (laughs) 
You do have one coming up. It's only a couple. It's like six weeks away. Okay. It's, yeah, it's like <laughs> ten weeks away. Yeah, and then we had uh, a very fun evening to get to after that, Jinxie. We did. What did we do? We went to Becky's 50th. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so fun. Our friend Becky had a birthday prom, and it was so good, so, so delightful. Like the joy of arriving in like kind of a silly costume or like feeling a little silly because you've like made an effort and then walking in and being like, oh, I haven't made enough of an effort. Yeah, I did feel that. Through like an, a balloon archway and a very virgin suicides kind of like foil tinsel curtain and then just encountering a table of like bowls of green and blue punch and like a bucket of ice filled with vodka cruises I was in fucking heaven it was so good it was so fun and then the champagne tower champagne and tower. Becky looked amazing incredible in a custom prom gown in like a perfect baby blue yeah it was delightful it made me realize I don't have enough party shoes oh yeah because I wore sneakers. I was thinking about wearing Crocs. I'm glad I didn't, but I need some, like, some dress shoes. Mm. I went in a suit. You like looked a kind great. of 70s looking, you know, outfit. Yeah. So I just wore loafers. But I know I've been, I know the pain of that, yeah. like. Maybe I need, like, a, oh, a loafer wouldn't be right for a dress. I was going to wear Mary Janes and then they looked a little kind of, like, frumpy. Mm. Yeah, I need this is on this is on my like to-do list. I have to go to Laclis on the south side and get some like custom Italian leather shoes. You absolutely do. Yeah, I think we need to go together. Yeah, I went all out a couple of years ago, if you remember, on some shoes for like a premiere at Cannes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I might never get to do this ever again. <laughs> you, no, you're like, how many more cans can I get? Yeah, and to? I'm like, I cannot wear those shoes. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. But while we were at Becky's 50th birthday prom, mm. my very cool 15-year-old niece, Sylvie, was at her year 10 formal in Sydney. Oh, that's cute. On the exact same night. That's... We looked very different. <laughs> I don't I wanted to know, though, what did you wear to your formals, BL? We only had one. Mm -hmm. We had in Bundy, you had a year 12 formal. But for some reason, our town all just like made the decision to call it a prom. Like we'd kind of gotten Americanized at some point. And it was a very big deal in Bundy. Like the proms would be held in like a sports center or something with like an oval outside. And like there were a riot, like the town, we would go the newspaper would print like arrival times for all the other school proms. And we would make an evening and the people from other schools would go and just watch people drive up. So you had to get a car to arrive in, you'd get out, people would take photos, the newspaper would take photos. So it was like a whole like mini celebrity for a small town. I love it. So like getting to your prom, because there was only one, was like a really big, I know people who like stuck around in year 12 just to go to the prom when they probably didn't want to be at school anymore. Anyway, I, look, I was limited by like budget and also being like a plus size teenager in like a small town where like the internet wasn't quite what it is now. And so I I wore the first dress that fit me mm-hmm. from like a local bridal shop. It was like maroon. It was plunging. It was the first time I'd ever had bronzer on my boobs. First time I ever wore shapewear. And it had a kind of like a diagonal sashy thing held by like a diamond buckle. 
<laughs> it was really long. It was not cool. It was not my style at all. Like my dream prom dress was like kind of what Becky wore the other night, like big chul skirt. And I always just wanted to wear checkered converse <laughs> to my prom because I was like, I like dashboard confessional. Therefore I must be punk and wear sneakers to prom. That's very cute. But the boy I was going to go to prom with and dress like that, um, had to leave school to be a professional BMX rider. No big deal. Um, Whoa. Okay. So we would have looked great in like my checkered. Yeah. yeah anyway, he had a mohawk. Um, I had a, a corsage, Oof. went to the prom party where I had a crush on five years earlier, passed me around a fire. It was great. That sounds very good. It was really good. My outfit, not so good, but everything else, very fun. That sounds really cute and good. Yeah. Well, what was yours? I feel like I could imagine what um, teenage Jinxie would have wanted to have more, but I want to hear it. <laughs> well, I, I, we had a year 10 and a year 12, and I, but I mostly remember my year 6 one, the leaving. First time I ever DJed. Oh, iconic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, year 10, I my mum made me this orange silk shift dress that I was like desperate for because – I had some like book on avant-garde, like English fashion and it had in it this dress and I do not know who made it. I need to find it at like in my dad's garage or something, but it was like a a shift dress and it had a tire rolled up the front of it, like a tire mark. So you looked like roadkill and that is what I wanted. Oh my God. And so my mom, bless Nancy, she like went and got, uh, like she made the dress and then she actually like went and got tires, but we couldn't like buy a new tire for yeah. this, like a new car tire because yeah. that was ridiculous. Um, but now in hindsight, she would just bought like a new bike tire anyway. Yeah. Um, but so we had these tires and we would like test them, but we could never get like enough grease off it. And they, cause they were secondhand and like it was ruining the fabric, mm. so I couldn't ever do it. So I just ended up wearing the orange shift dress. But and I spray painted my hair silver, of course. Of course, it was nice. Uh, yeah, but I never got the roadkill look. So I feel like it's coming for me at some point. I feel like this needs to be a birthday outfit. You yeah. need to like revisit this idea. I've got a. I've got a. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started All right, Jinxie, we've both been at the movies a lot lately and every time we go, we add it, the movie we've just seen to this ever-expanding list of things that we need to share with one another. And we get to the end of the podcast and go, we'll move it to next week. We'll move it to next week. Um, 
All right. Are we just going to go like rapid fire, like exchanging yeah. our thoughts on things that we've, we've seen? Yeah. yeah. You start rotting in the sun, rotting in the sun, Sebastian Silver's comedy kind of like crime thriller. I was not expecting that. I knew nothing of this movie except that Jordan Firstman was in it and I was going to see a lot of dicks. Who's that one? Jordan Firstman's internet persona is like both how people know him and also central to the plot of this movie, which I wasn't expecting. And his name's First Man. First Man. So he is a comedy writer and performer. So in Search Party, remember John Early's character broke up with Jeffrey Self and then kept trying to get back together with him and he had a new boyfriend. That was Jordan Firstman. Uh Uh-huh. And he was also a writer on Search Party. He's Mm. kind of like a comedy writer guy, very kind of like well-connected, cool. I think maybe he dated Charles Rogers who made Search Party or they just worked together a lot, not sure. So he plays himself in Rotting in the Sun and so does Sebastian Silva, the director. And Sebastian Silva plays this version of himself, question mark, who's like a self-hating artist who like no one sees his movies. He's like very known within some circles, but also like, can be completely anonymous in his life and is like doing a lot of ketamine and kind of like uh, looking up ways to like end his life essentially. And all his friends are like, go like get fucked. Like you just have to go and like party and have fun. And so he goes to this like Island vacation and meets Jordan Firstman there. Who's like this pretentious internet, like content creator loser (laughs) who's like, HBO is really interested in like doing something with me. Like you should work with me. Like we should write something together. And so the story kind of spools off from there. I cannot say too much because where this movie went, I was truly like agog and cackling. And I thought maybe it was a little too long, but it was like very, very funny. And it made me like, so Jordan Firstman's profile kind of exploded during lockdown because he was doing these bits on Instagram that I did not find that funny and kind of grew tired of very quickly, but they clearly blew up and people kept wanting that kind of shit from him. And it was, he'd do like, here's my impression of banana bread's publicist. And then be him sitting at home being like, no, babe, you're exploding. Like, you're amazing. You're iconic. Everyone wants you. And I was like, this is not very funny to me. But it was getting like gazillions of shares. And now he's like friends with Charlie XCX. The Sebastian Silver's character in the movie like tells him that that shit is not funny and like lame. And his entire persona is like really fucking cringe. And like no one would take it seriously. So, so I was like, I respect Jordan Firstman more for having been in a movie where that is like the core of his kind of character. Yeah. Quote unquote character. I'm not that familiar with a lot of Sebastian Silver's stuff. Like I saw Nasty Baby, I mm. think at Miff years ago. But the three key cast of this movie are the two of them and then Catalina Saavedra, who was in The Maid, which I haven't oh. seen. Oh, you should. Yeah. But I mean I wanna like now watch everything that he's made because it's I was so impressed by this. Um but I also just love that he's made this career for himself where he's like casting himself as like a version of himself, but in one movie he's fucking like Tunde from TV on the radio. And in another, he's like Jordan Firstman's like obsessed with him and like wanting to work with him and wanting to fuck him. And <laughs> yeah, that's great. Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay. What's your first one? Well, one film that I do want to talk about, but I think I got to shelve it because it's coming out soon and I feel like you are going to have strong opinions. Okay. I did go to the Australian premiere of Saltburn while I was in Sydney uh-huh. starring Al Jacob mm-hmm. and their Barry Yogan. 
We don't claim him. No, he's. I like him, but um, I can very much. But I like him too. I don't know. It's by Emerald Fennel, who made Fennel, 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 Fennel. She made Promising Young Woman, which, which I also I avoided. And I, there's so many good things in this film, and like all the reference points are like on point. But mm-hmm. can I ask? Because I am excited by the idea of talking about it with you after I've mm. seen it. We covered recently that I haven't seen Bride's Head, mm-hmm. which I've heard a lot of people bringing up when talking about Saltburn. What are the things I need to have seen or like familiarize myself with? Like what it, is it? Is it referencing things or are there things that I will like, I will want to compare it to <laughs> after I see it? Totally. Bride's Head Revisited is the number one, mm-hmm. but I would, I love the show but it's quite a – I've rewatched it recently. It's quite a lengthy number. Okay. There was a quite not very good uh, movie version of it a couple of years ago with starring Matthew Good. Yeah. Mm, didn't love it. But you could watch that and get the idea of it. So okay. it's essentially it's like stately home, you know, British estate with hot people. Yeah. Um, and like an air of homoeroticism within it. My favourite air. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's that's it. So Brideshead, but the book is fantastic. Okay. People in War is Man. And <laughs> um, cannot not think that. What is that from? From Lost in Translation. Yeah. Uh, Evil in War is a Man. Um, and uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Yep. It has, a, has very big Ripley vibes. Okay. Um, they're your kind of main two. I'm also going to watch Promising Young Woman. I've avoided it long enough. There were enough, this is going to sound so cunty, but there were, I remember when it came out and a lot of the people who were raving about it were also the people who were like, have you ever heard of feminism? Yeah. In like 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel similarly about this. Not that this is about feminism, but I really felt. I actually, I don't. I'm not going to talk about it. Because have you heard of homoeroticism? Is that heard, the vibe? Have you heard? Um, have but, you heard about pri- private school boys like jerking each other off? That's the vibe I'm getting from Saltburn, having not seen it. Well, that's just the Beatles. That's what Paul McCartney <laughs> said in that interview. Remember? Anyway, um, but something I will talk about is. <laughs> It's not a new movie, BL, but after our special live episode at the Wheeler Center where uh, Maria brought up Muriel's wedding, I then went to watch My Best Friend's Wedding Great uh, by the same director, and it was very fun. It's a great movie. It's really good. Julia Roberts wears some excellent outfits. It's like 90s tailored looks. It's like oversized blazers and long sleeve midriffs and like the tiniest sunglasses. Oh my God. They're so like Emporio Armani, if you know what I mean. Tiny glasses, huge hair. Yeah. Big cuffs, a lot Mm. of big cuffs. Um, and then when you do see her in like the dress that's on like the movie poster, the purple. Yeah. It's like, get her out, get her out of it. Yeah. She's so hot in that movie. She's also like turning on the like rootability up to like a thousand, like the scene where she's at the baseball game and she's just like men young and old. And she's like, Hey, handsome, like passing out beers. And she's like, save some for the rest of us. Yeah. She's like Nicole Kidman in practical magic Yes, in that scene, just like sex coming out of her pores. Yeah. And like flirting with a 16 year old boy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Isn't that Danny Masterson? 
Or is oh. it one of the Mastersons? Little curly haired freak. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, I also saw an old movie, Todd Haynes is Far From Heaven. Oh, gorgeous i'd never seen it before and i haven't seen the um all that heaven allows that it's kind of referencing based on a homage to etc but i now have to you need to watch pretty much every douglas sirk film yeah Yeah. i've heard and there's like a document a rock hudson documentary i think called all that heaven allows Mm. and i think they're now like in the like weeks since I saw this Acme was doing kind of like a, I guess like a review of Todd Haynes work in the lead up to mid uh, May, December coming out. I was about to say midsummer. They had Carol and saving a bunch of his uh, films playing, but yeah, I only made it to far from heaven and I just had such a fun time watching it. Glorious. Mm. I had the same thought and this is going to sound so, so basic and so dumb, especially to you, someone who, thinks about films and watches them for a living. But like watching May, December, I'd seen a couple of movies at Miff that I like didn't love. Like, and then I went and saw May, December and I was like, that's a fucking movie. Like why can't everyone (laughs) just make stuff look good, sound good, feel weird, like good scripting, great casting, great directing. Like why can't every movie just be this? Mm -hmm. And I had the same thought while watching far from heaven. I was like, where's the style? Where's the taste? Where's the point of fucking view? You know? Yeah. 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 I, I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And like at the start, you know, she's living in this absolute fantasy, like constructed, like false reality of her life. And then when it all falls apart by the end, it's just like, she's in this like concrete, like the final shot of Julianne Moore in that film. She's just like walking through like a concrete car park. And the only thing in color is like the scarf around her head and like a flower on a tree. Mm. And I was like, this movie has taken me on a journey. Oh, yeah. Todd. Todd. Yeah. I think the only thing I haven't seen of his is Mildred Pierce, that TV. Like he made a series, limited series of it. Was Lena Dunham in that? Oh, God. Was she? Was she in a, was it, I remember when she was in a period show. Oh, God. Anyway, I don't know. I haven't seen Mildred Pierce yeah, either, got clearly. Her. Got her. We got her. We got her. There's so much Todd Haynes that I haven't seen, So, um, which this review at Acme kind of like pointed me towards. Um, so I've got homework. There's always homework, Bill. Always. A film I saw which feels so intensely old at this point that I will race through. I did go see A Haunting in Venice. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we have in common is A Haunting in Venice. <laughs> I'm ashamed for us. No, but I, you know, I do, I do love me a British murder mystery, even if it's, you know, Kenneth Branagh. My friend Anton and I were going to go to a gig, and we realized the band started at eleven, and we mm. were like, no, let's see a movie instead. That's too late. It was the week that like Taylor, the Taylor Swift era's movie and Killers of the Flower Moon came out, so I was like. Why is every me neither, but like, why is every option for us tonight three hours long? Mm. And it was already six thirty when we were looking at the movies. And he said, "I think I'd go see Haunting in Venice. I haven't seen it yet." And I was like, "You know what? Same." Mm. And it was so fun. It was pretty fun. The cinematography is so bad on every <laughs> single one of these Psycho. movies. Oh my god! How it, many? Oh. How many? Um, I was about to say Pepe Le Pew. What's the detective's name? Poirot. Poirot. What's the? Um, he made the um, Orient Express, which I saw. Death on the Nile. I didn't see that. Gal Gadot. Oh, she's so bad in it. I bet she's a bad actor. <laughs> There's this one line where she's like. 
and we have enough champagne to fill the Nile. And it's just the most badly delivered line. Ugh. What? And then this is the third or was there another one that I missed? No, this is the third. Okay. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. I don't know the Proro like legacy, but um, my friend Anton does. And he was sitting next to me. And like when the butler brought in the apple, he like gasped and grabbed me. And so I was getting like the backstory of the Tina vibe. Fey's character. Tina Fey though. <laughs> I, I give her a pass here. I give her a pass too, but like, I can't watch her doing like, like I am solving the mystery without thinking that she's Liz Lemon doing a bad impression of an American doing a British accent. Totally. This is more, yeah, it's like her um, Only Murders character like pumped up or like mm. sent back in time mm. essentially. But I spent the whole movie going, who's that guy? Who, where do I know him from? And then right at the end, uh-huh. it was only the credits that helped me, Jamie Dornan. <laughs> <laughs> and like I only know him from Barb and Star. <laughs> Everyone else in the world is like 50 shades 50 of grey. And I'm like, he was the hunk in Barb and Star got yes. a Vista Del Mar. Yes. Which was like such a, such a beautiful move for him to make. This movie, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it was such a kooky dooky little movie. Yeah. Like the idea of um, also like Venice. Mm. Venice. Mm. What a crazy city. I mean, it's, they, yeah. Those it canals. Those, they have canals. People arriving to a party by boat. Yeah, you love it. You love to see it. It was crazy. I saw this maybe a week or so after seeing a very different movie where people get possessed by spirits in a spooky house. It wasn't Michelle Yeoh. No, it wasn't Michelle Yeoh. She goes for it in that movie, doesn't she? The scene where Michelle Yeoh is possessed and, like, her fingers get all freaky and she's spinning around in a chair. I was genuinely frightened. And, like, the shots of, like, ghost girls, like, popping up around the place. No spoilers, but... I mean, that was in the trailer, to be fair. Okay. That was genuinely spooky and, like, I love a jump scare. Haunting in Venice, scarier than Exorcist the Believer. No. Yeah. That's scary to me. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I, I just, don't, I don't want to do it. Don't Kate. Like I love Pazuzu, but I, you know, I hate Pazuzu. He's a bad guy. You can't love Pazuzu. People. I was trying to find like YouTube, like video, like reviews or breakdowns of this movie. So many people, here's a PSA. Don't Google exorcist stuff on YouTube because people put screenshots of Pazuzu in the thumbnail mm. jail. Um, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on Exorcist the Believer, but I'm just going to say David Gordon Green uh, is letting me down every single time he steps behind a camera these can, days. Can you give me so he, a rundown? So David Gordon Green, I became kind of obsessed with when I was at uni. He made all the real girls that had Zoe Deschanel oh, yeah, yeah. in it. And that guy. And Paul, what's his face? Who, Loved that guy. Yeah, he was in the first season of Parks and Rec. Family Stone. Family Stone. Mm. Yeah. And is he in Family Stone? Yeah. He's the one who gets with the notebook. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he gets with the notebook. So David Gordon Green, he also made a movie called George Washington, which I never saw, oh, but was his yeah, big breakout. And then he got very famous for making Pineapple Express. Oh, here we go. Started working a lot with Danny McBride, who I think is very talented, very funny. So they made Eastbound and Down together. Yeah. And David Gordon Green is the one who remade Halloween, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Yeah. The first one, good. I really enjoyed it. Second one, 
So bad, could not even give it one star. Really troubling. Third one, fucking psycho, insane, terrible movie. So glad I watched it at home because I was skipping bits. I was like, I don't understand what he's doing. He was the guy who was going to be remaking Suspiria. Um, Yep. We'll come to it in a couple of weeks when we talk about Suspiria's. Mm. But the fact that he, I'm going to repeat myself then, but he was too busy making Halloween to make Suspiria. Thank fuck. I know. I'm blessing myself. Jigsy's doing the sign of the cross. I think I got it the wrong way. I don't know. It's all right. You're safe from Pazuzu for now. But this just, like, it's just feeling like he's holding up perfect original horror franchises and doing like tracing over them or something and then making them worse. Like don't do it. This movie wasn't scary. It's like he watched the original exorcist and like, didn't really get what was affecting about it. And so they bring Ellen Burstyn back and it's a fucking waste of her time. Let her live, let her live in peace. My God. And then they're like, Oh, what was scary? The one possessed girl too. And you know, there's some, Stupid. there's some kind of potential. Like they, they try to bring in not just Catholic priests to do the exorcism. There's like all these different kinds of, there's a lady who does kind of like non-Western religion. She's like lighting stuff on fire and like smokes coming out. And she just come from a real housewives taping. <laughs> it's what is her name? Eagle woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a kind of Eagle woman, but like, it's like he just thought of like what are the iconic things that happen in a in an exorcist movie or happen in the exorcist like little girl spews black shit little girl holds a crucifix you don't know what she's going to do with it turns out nothing half as scary as what Reagan did mm. back in 50 years ago mm. it just it it left a really bad taste in my mouth i i wanted it to be better and it was just a fucking waste of time. Don't bother. I appreciate you going to see that so I don't have to. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I was excited to see it. I mean, William Friedkin was, you know, he hated all the sequels to The Exorcist. And he said, someone asked him when he was still alive how he viewed all the ones that came after his original. And he said, I view them as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. And he he said, like, the guy who made Pineapple Express is making a new Exorcist movie. And, like, I don't want to be around when that happens. If there's a spirit world and I come back, I plan to possess David Gordon Green and make his life a living hell. So you don't have to also be ill. Yeah. Yeah. So that karma is happening for you already. Karma is my boyfriend. <laughs> I finally saw a film that you talked about ages ago. Mm. The Nicole Holofcener uh, film, You Hurt My Feelings. Oh, what did you think? Oh, so, like there were so many divisive reviews when it came out. I don't read any of them. I loved it. Well, I fucking loved this film. I think it is one of the best films, one of my favorites of the entire year. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus as a writer, like writing teacher Mm -hmm. who is struggling. She's written a new book and overhears her husband, a struggling therapist, say that he doesn't really like it that much to her brother-in-law. And is dealing with that, but is also dealing with like this young, with their son who is not living up to like his potential according to her or, you know, according to the parents and working in this weed shop. And Mm -hmm. I loved it so much. I loved that the son was confronting his parents saying like, you know, you always have told me that I'm the best at everything, but I'm actually not, I'm just normal. And 
you know, and she was like, but you were such a good swimmer. And he was like, no, I wasn't. I just swam. Like I you just never... had rose colored glasses on for my whole life. Yeah. I just, I haven't really seen that on screen before. And that particular era of like Gen X parents, like love bombing their kids or whatever, mm. to use a disgusting phrase. Yeah. But God, I just thought it was so smart and funny and tender and like, honestly a perfect film yeah and i loved the the casting was so good uh, that julia louis dreyfus's sister is played by michaela watkins we love her and that she's also you know she and her partner he's an actor and she's an interior decorator yeah. and they're she's kind of like i'm good at this thing that i fucking hate yes like it's it's really dealing with like success and like achievement and failure in like a really interesting like adult way yeah and he is the friend from Succession. I can't remember yeah, his name. Um, I was trying to think of his name too, like Mickey or he's like Kendall's drug friend who becomes a, a board member with yeah. Sandy and Stewie. 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 And he is like an actor who is like not really getting anywhere. Yeah. Oh God. And he has to like work out whether he's a good actor or not. Oh God. It's just so great. It's so good. And also the like the level of like New York money mm. in that movie is like perfect yeah to me. it's very like liberal like uh-huh. bougie family yeah in working in the arts their living room like there's a scene where the son comes in at night and kind of like has a real combo with the parents and i just remember kind of getting distracted by like god what a good couch oh and they've got the bookshelves behind bookshelves behind the couch that's interesting yeah totally. <laughs> absolutely um i also really love that the mum in this like uh the mom of Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Michaela Watkins is uh, Jeannie Berlin, the daughter of Elaine May. Oh. And she's just like, it's such a perfect casting of this, like two daughters and their mom and like the spiky conversations that they have with her. Uh Oh my God. Uh That classic kind of like grown, like adult children kind of treating their parent like she's an imbecile. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And she's like, I kind of hate you both. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know where it's stream. Like it's certainly not in cinemas anymore, but yeah. it's streaming probably everywhere, but run, don't walk to your TV. It's so good. Yeah. It kind of disappeared in the same way that like, that's one of my favorite films of this year in the same way that like bones and all was last year that also disappeared. And speaking of David Gordon Green plays a vampire in bones and all. Do you know, I still haven't seen it. Run, don't walk, baby. All right, it's time for Also Also's. Jinxie, do you want to go first? I went to the opening of a new store in Melbourne on Gertrude Street last week, and I'm so happy that Koto, the New Zealand brand that I love, has opened up here finally at Bricks and Mortar. So excited. I want to try some stuff on. Well, yeah, because it's the kind of label where the sizing can be like a little all over the shop yeah. if you are not that familiar with the way they make clothes, I yeah. think. So this is kind of the perfect thing where you can actually go in and try their because they make like really good staples and like beautiful shirts. Mm. Oh, it's really, it's really divine. Where on Gertrude Street is it? Next to Archie's all day. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's very good. And the fit out is really beautiful. Like it's all this um, like recycled wood and paper frames. It's, it's beautiful. Was there food at the opening? There was great food at the opening and the food was done by Florian. Perfect. I do believe. Yum. Was great. They actually had really good, uh, God, I talk about my outdoor furniture and then <laughs> getting a gilder and, but they had like the perfect crudités. Yum. Yeah. L- little radishes. Little radishes and snow peas. I always forget about the snow pea on a crudité plate. I really love Florian. I know it's, is it cliche to love Florian? 
I mean, we all love Florian. I it's think designed it's for us. It's, it's a classic. It's a classic. We're the kind of bitches it's made for. Absolutely. And there was beautiful wines, but there was a speech at the opening uh, by the managing director, Emma, fabulous woman. And she talked about like the beautiful design, where Koto had come from. I always said Kowtow. Me too. Yeah. Koto. It's my cheek to say Koto. <laughs> so it's Koto. And... Uh, she also brought up composting in her speech and like worm farms. So okay. you don't usually hear that kind of thing okay. at like a very chic store opening. So I was loving it. She's trying to steal your identity. <laughs> My first recommendation is uh, for a swimming costume from the brand You Swim. Oh. Have you seen these? I have. And many friends have bought them. But it's one of those things where you're like, does it does it really fit everybody? I, I'm going to say it as your resident plus size person, it's legit. Okay. That's very good to know. They sent me one complimentary. I'm not an influencer. We know this. We went over this a few weeks ago. Um, but I got to just kind of like choose one and try it out. And I got the Eva one piece, which is kind of like the, uh, V necky kind of one. And look, they're advertisers saying they don't have bust support, which is usually the thing that I struggle with, with Mm. these kind of like very stretchy one pieces. And so like, if that's an issue for you, you might be a little deterred by that. It's not going to be my like go-to swimsuit, but it's so comfortable. I've worn it to the pool a couple of times already. It's really incredible. So it's if you're not familiar with U-Swim, they're made, all the costumes, they have two pieces and one pieces, and they're made from that kind of like almost like waffly, stretchy fabric. And it stretches in both ways to such an extent that they only sell two sizes of this swimsuit. So they kind of market it by saying like, if your body's fluctuating, like if you're pregnant and then you want to wear this before or after, um, you know, you can essentially, you can keep the same size because they just sell them in two sizes, stretch one and stretch two. Stretch one is sizes six to 18, stretch Mm. two, which is essentially where plus size begins. And stretch two is 18 to 28, which is like an incredible range. That's a huge range. And like I am, I'm kind of at the top end of that range, but then also I'm tall. And like I often find if I find something that fits me one way, it doesn't fit me the other. Like it's either long enough or it's wide enough. But this is like a great fitting swimsuit. I really rate it. Um, what color did you pick? I just got a black. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, really recommend. They've got some really cute stuff and I think I might buy myself a little two-piece now that I know how they fit. Oh, I need to become an influencer so I get sent one. I need to become an influencer too because I don't know <laughs> how I'm supposed to take photos in a bathing suit. I think that's mm. what people do when they get sent stuff, you know? Yeah, a little towel on the bottom section maybe. What am I going to do? Ask people at the pool to take my photo? I'll take that. it for you. I don't know if I want to look at myself in a swimsuit. That's for other people to do. <laughs> that's for other people's pleasure yeah my next one is a this is a very specific melbourne they're all actually very specific melbourne things well i went very wide in the last episode so you know that's fine this one is a moth spray from gram which was is the sustainable like bulk food place on brunswick street that i love because they have really really good quality products Mm. uh Really love them. Do they do food or just like cleaning products? Yeah, no, they do food. Yeah. Like I get like my pasta there and gotcha. like mueslis and all my nuts essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do wine on tap. Oh. And it's very good. The rosé is really good. I've never been inside. Every time I go past, I'm like, God, I should have brought some jars. Yeah. Well, you can get them in there. 
Yeah. Uh, but this moth spray is a tip from my friend Rosie and recently had some moths in the house. Mm. And this is the like exact time in the Southern hemisphere where you start putting like your nits away. Um, K N I T S. And, uh, <laughs> it's like time to protect them. So spray your area with, you know, this, and it smells really lovely. It's like mm. just sort of a mix of essential oils, essentially that moths don't like, I think. So you could probably make it yourself. But anyway, you buy it from a little counter. They often sell out cause it's, I think it's a bit of a cult product, right? but go in there. I think it's like $17 for a small spray and it will last for a very long time. It's been working for me. Okay, great. That's a hot tip. My next recommendation is a very northern suburb specific one. The key is the bowling alley in Preston. It does a trivia night every Wednesday night and it's hosted by my friend Ellen Lewis. Um, it's on from 7 p.m. You've got a book. I went a couple of weeks ago for a Halloween specific one and it was so freaking fun. Uh, Ellen comes up with all the questions herself. She's a housewives girly and allegedly a couple of weeks earlier had some housewives related questions in there that no one got. So I think she needs more of our people okay. going along, but this was Halloween themed. There was like a segment on movies. There was, uh, like spooky soundtracks, sexy costumes and like general, uh, spooky trivia. Um, but in between everyone got given a, uh, every table was given a capsicum and a knife and you had to carve the scariest thing you could think of into it and our table just got really like pretending to be conspiracy theorists and we carved in 5g and then (laughs) I like fully cored the capsicum out and we like put my phone in there and had it like a torch and we won a special prize congratulations thank you well done we also won a round and got a jug like there are prizes for each round we got a jug of beer my last one is also something that you can go to in Melbourne so Zoe Kumsmar I don't know if you've heard of her BL who She's a comedian. What is it? What do we call her? Podcast girlfriend, wag. <laughs> girlfriend of the pod. She calls me a gag wag, which I despise. Yuck. Um, <laughs> she is working up a new show at the moment. So this is like a very fun time to get in on a new show that will, you know, premiere properly next year. It's called Every Single Thing in My Whole Entire Life, A Perpetual Work in Progress. She's doing, she's had four in total, all happening at Comedy Republic on Burke Street, the best comedy um, venue in Melbourne, Australia, all of Australia, I reckon. It's so good. There are two sessions left on the 23rd of November and the 7th of December. They're both Thursdays at seven o'clock. Tickets are $25. And you can see Zoe actually spend an hour trying to remember every single thing that happened in her whole entire life. She has an Excel spreadsheet, so you will feel comfortable, BL. And That's my culture. Yeah, and it's really, it's a really fun time because for me also, like often I – uh, have the inside track, you know, like I yeah. know what she's going to say. I've, we've talked about it, but this, this is really fun for me. Cause I'm sitting there going like, what the hell is she going to say? Are you going to all of them? Yes. They're really, really good. I'm going to go this week. Yeah. I'll see you there. Yeah. All right. I'll see you there. Um, my last one is oh, an event that I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing an event as part of uh, Riders Victoria's like current program called Let's Talk About Finance for Riders. It was something that ca- they came up with with uh, Sam Ryan, who is like a bookkeeper for the arts. We've done events before kind of talking about this kind of stuff. And a few years ago, I like bought her lunch and paid for her time just to be like, 
tell me what I need to do in my life and my finances. And she was like incredibly helpful. And she was like, maybe other people need to hear this kind of shit. So she kind of brought me onto the event and we're going to talk about it from kind of both sides, like the fumbling writer who like figured out her shit when it was felt like it was too late. And then the like expert money financial person who has like actual proper advice. So I feel like I'm going to learn a lot uh, at this event that I'm co-hosting. And I think that everyone who comes will learn a lot too. And it's digital. So you don't need to show up anywhere. So it's like an hour, uh, one evening later this month, I'll put all the details in the show notes. It's later this month. And, um, if you're a writer's Victoria member, you get a ticket for like $25. Otherwise it's $40. Yeah. Very exciting. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can follow us at See Also Podcast. And if you pop over to Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a little review and a five-star rating. And we would love it if you shared this episode with your friends. And thank you to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. Bye. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.